Welcome to Experience This, the podcast that celebrates remarkable customer experiences and inspires you to stand out from the competition by wowing your customers. Each episode, we bring you a healthy dose of inspiring stories, funny interactions, and practical takeaways. Marketing and customer experience thought leader, Dan Gingas. Shares the mic with customer retention and employee experience expert, Joey Coleman, helping you to get people talking about your business. So get ready, because it's time to experience this. Get ready for another episode of the Experience This Show. Join us as we discuss... When Good Customers Do Bad Things, The Last Mile in Retail, and The Great Expectations of Your Customers. Crimes, Deliveries, and Charles Dickens? Oh, my. There are so many great customer experience articles to read, but who has the time? We summarize them and offer clear takeaways you can implement starting tomorrow. Enjoy this segment of CX Press, where we read the articles so you don't need to. I'm not a huge fan of those clickbaity headlines from BuzzFeed. Oh, come on. You know you are. (laughs) But how is a self-respecting customer experience guy supposed to not click on this headline? 43 customer crimes that customer-facing workers can't stand. You know, I see your point, Dan. As a fellow self-respecting customer experience guy, I too am intrigued by that headline. Well, the article is exactly as it says it is. A whole bunch, 43 to be exact, of stories told by workers in customer-facing roles that drive them absolutely nuts. Now, To protect the guilty, we are going to cover up the names of the brands that are mentioned in some of these rants. You'll have to go read the story yourself to get those. So here's an example. I worked for a major bookstore chain during the first year and a half of the pandemic. People need to know that the books aren't always clean or treated well by our customers. What do I mean by that? People would sit on the stacks of books and get upset when I'd ask them not to sit on the merchandise. Parents would let their toddlers put books in their mouth constantly. Ew. Exactly. And how about this one? I used to work at a major big box retailer. One lady was so mad that I wouldn't take her expired coupon that she threw a can of soup at me. She didn't miss. I got my first black eye that day. Ugh, there, there is just no excuse for that behavior under any circumstances. You know, Dan, I realize and remember that you are a coffee drinker. So I'll bet that this one caught your eye in particular. And I quote, I work as a barista at a craft coffee shop. People constantly try to outsmart me. I do not give a darn what you've read online about coffee or what you think you know. I'm the one working here. If you know so much about coffee, feel free to come behind the counter and make your own drink. (laughs) Yes, I do like coffee, but I'm usually a drip coffee with a splash of milk kind of guy, not one of those fancy schmancy takes three minutes to order drink guys. 
And I definitely trust that the baristas know more about coffee than I do. You know, the same could be said about a bartender or a sommelier. Here's another coffee one. When I worked for a coffee shop, the worst customers were the ones who acted like they were the only ones there, especially on busy mornings. We'd set out a drink for Anne, and someone else would grab the drink and complain that we made the wrong drink, prompting the always enjoyable, Are you Anne? response. Even worse were the people who would just grab the wrong drinks and leave without checking the name, forcing the baristas to remake the missing beverages. So ridiculous. Pay attention, friends. Here's one from the holidays, apparently. Quote, It really grinds my gears when customers blame employees for their own procrastination. Newsflash, the cashier at major retailer didn't ruin your kid's birthday or Christmas or Hanukkah. You did when you decided not to shop early enough. I guess she's got a point there. Does this mean the customer isn't always right, Dan? No, the customer isn't always right, especially these customers. Here's one more, and then you'll have to go read the article if you want the other 37 stories. I manage a bank, and I can't stand it when customers complain about the staffing, especially these days. If I could have more employees magically appear, I would. I don't need your negative comments or you shouting, is there someone else who can help out? No, not everyone is trained to be a bank teller. In banking, everyone comes in to do different transactions. Yours might be simple, but maybe not the person in front or behind you. Actually, this resonated with me because just today, Joey, I walked into a bank for the simplest of transactions. (laughs) And I had to wait while a couple was getting a new checking account, which apparently takes... 40 minutes to open. A a lifetime. A lifetime. (laughs) Unbelievable. You know, it never ceases to amaze me how many people simply don't care about anyone else but themselves. I'm not sure where this sense of entitlement came from. I go to Starbucks several times a week with a good friend of mine. And he likes to stand guard and call out customers who park in the handicapped spot just to run in and pick up their mobile order or sometimes to place a regular order and wait for it. I mean, there are plenty of parking spots open, but they just need the closest one, even if it's a designated handicap spot. And although I usually like to stay out of the fray, I do enjoy it when he calls them out. So what's the takeaway here? Honestly, I just thought these stories were hilarious and worthy of sharing on a customer experience podcast. I think it's helpful to be able to laugh a little at the absurdity of it all and not let a couple of bad actors ruin the experience for your employees or other customers. Do you have a crazy customer story you'd like to share? We want to hear it. Just email us at dan at dangingus.com or joey at joeycoleman.com and we might include your story in a future episode. Frank has joined the meeting. Hey, Frank. Welcome to the meeting. Hey there, Todd. Happy to be here. Uh, Quick question, if I may. Did I miss the agenda in the calendar invite? I was looking for it, but I didn't see one. Oh, you didn't miss it, buddy. I just wanted to get everyone together to talk about a few things. Right. But what are those few things that we're going to talk about? Oh, I I don't want to ruin the surprise. Vivianne has joined the meeting. Happy Friday, Frank and Todd. Hey there, Vivianne. Happy Friday to you too. As I was saying to Frank, we're going to talk about a few things today and I'd love to get your opinions. First up is the new logo design. Did you get a chance to see it? 
No, did you include it in the meeting materials? I didn't, but hang on a minute. I'll share my screen. Wait a second. Where did the sharing controls move? Ah, the screen sharing thing never seems to work for me. Here, Todd, I can share it. Ooh, I'm not sure why this logo made the cut. It's using our old brand standards. It doesn't have the right font, and that blue is definitely the wrong shade. Huh, I didn't notice that. Someone should have told the designer. Who was in charge of this project anyway? What, weren't you supposed to be? Uh, nope, this wasn't my project. Sorry, it wasn't mine either. Ah, drat. We need to figure out who's responsible for this and see what they think about the logo. Well, that makes sense to me. Okay, well, on to our next item to consider. It's the press release for the new brand launch. Doesn't the press release talk about the new logo? I'm not sure. I haven't seen it. I was just wondering if we were doing one. Dude, I have no idea, but don't we send out press releases like every week? I get them in my email all the time. Me too. Who even sends those? I think it's Gen S. I thought it was Gen O. That's right. I knew it was one of the Gens. Hmm, I guess they'll know what to do. Okay, well, that's actually all I have for today, but I scheduled a follow-up meeting for next Tuesday at 2 p.m. so we can wrap up this logo and press release stuff. See you both there and have a good weekend. Uh, but wait, what are the... Are we... Todd has ended the meeting. As hybrid work environments become more common, holding high-quality virtual meetings is becoming even more challenging. Before the pandemic, around 5% of employees spent at least part of their time working remotely. Going forward, that number is expected to be 40 to 50%. The purpose of a meeting must never be the meeting. It's what happens next that counts. During the discussion, if an action item comes up, immediately assign it to the appropriate person. At the end of the session, briefly capture what all the next steps are and who is responsible. Then that same day, send a quick email repeating the same. Go into the meeting with specific goals and leave with clear actions and outcomes. The team at Mitel are experts in creating the right culture and experience for employees regardless of location. Their tools, technologies, and thought leadership on remote and hybrid working solutions make it easy for your teams to stay productive wherever they are and regardless of what needs to be done next. Take a few minutes to visit mitel.com slash experience this. That's M-I-T-E-L dot com slash experience this and download Making Meetings Better in the Hybrid Workplace, a new ebook that will help you rethink how collaboration should work in this new environment. Visit mitel.com slash experience this and make your meetings more actionable starting today. Sometimes a remarkable experience deserves deeper investigation. We dive into the nitty gritty of customer interactions and dissect how and why they happen. Join us while we're dissecting the experience. Product delivery, also known as the last mile in retail, is often the most complex part of the transaction because it's usually dependent on third parties. I got to tell you, it's been a strange few weeks for me and delivered packages recently. And those third parties didn't do the retailers any favors. I'm going to tell you three quick stories about three completely different shipments that I received at my home recently. The first started with a package delivery that was literally 
thrown onto my front stoop. <laughs> I got to interject here. Dan, you, if you recall, you and I were actually on a call together when this happened. And you said to me, like, oh my gosh, my camera just lit up with a guy throwing the package onto the front stoop. And I feel excited because I was there for this story, at least virtually. You were. You were. Thank you, Ring Doorbell, for capturing this one on video. Luckily, it was not a fragile item. But I did feel that the shipping company, which will remain nameless, but you know, it's one of three big ones in the US, <laughs> might have wanted to know. And so I have to say, I sent a Twitter DM to them. And they got back to me immediately, most apologetic, said this is absolutely not up to our standards, wanted me to send them the video because they wanted to use it for training. And they actually said that they were going to talk to the delivery person. Did you tell them that you were planning to use the video for training of audiences as well? <laughs> no, I did not. But I, I, maybe I should have. Anyway, that one, uh, you know, luckily no harm, no foul there, but I just was really surprised. And I'm thinking to myself, man, if I'm that retailer, and I didn't tell the retailer, if I'm that retailer, I am angry because that is not how I want my product treated, right? And, and who knows? It could have been a glass vase or something. That person didn't know. The second one is I ordered a pair of jeans from one of my favorite clothing retailers. And admittedly, this pair of jeans was on sale. I think it might have even been a clearance. So it's one of the reasons I was drawn to it because I thought the price was amazing. And I really liked their jeans. I ordered it in my size, which I am not afraid to admit is a 3230. Oh, look at him. So slim. So trim. I try on the jeans and immediately know something is drastically <laughs> wrong. Because A, I haven't gained that much weight that, that it is completely tight in the waist. And B the things are like crawling off of my feet on the floor. They're so long. I'm like, okay, this is clearly not a 3230. So I take it off. I look at the paper tag that's kind of, you know, attached to the jeans and it says 3230. I'm like, uh-huh. So I go into the jeans and, you know, there's the sewn in tag. And that one says 3032. I'm like, ah. Now I look at the jeans a little more closely and then I noticed... What actually I have to believe was dog hair on them. And so oh, I put the pieces. <laughs> yeah, really nice. So I put the pieces together. Someone else ordered these jeans, returned them, you know, took off the tag, returned them. They got somebody tagged. They got put, put a mistag on there, right? Well, of course, the problem here is that now it's my problem, right? It's not my right. fault, but it's my problem because I got to do something with these jeans. So I. They, they, uh, it comes with a return label in one of those forms where you fill out why you're returning, whatever. And I put it all together. I bring it over to the UPS station and, uh, and send it along its way. A week goes by. Two weeks go by. Three weeks go by. Nothing from the retailer. No refund. No, I'm sorry. And by the way, on the form, I asked for a replacement. I knew they weren't going to give it to me because it was on clearance. But I figured I'd try. And because I really did want the jeans. Nothing. Like no response. And so I finally called them. And you know, when we're caught, when we have to get to calling customer service, you know, by that time we're not in a great mood. But especially I was you, like you tweet, you go on the Insta, you send, I don't know, snaps at him, maybe Snapchats. Yeah, I don't know. No, but, sir. But like, Who do you think like I if, am? You're, if you're moving to the phone, it is a code red situation for Dan Gingas, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Well, 
in any event, the long and short of that one is I finally did get my money back, but I didn't get my jeans. And, you know, I didn't get any sense that this retailer cared that this mistake was made or that it would be fixed in the future, right? This was just one of those things that kind of happens and the person in customer service, their whole job is just to make it go away. Now, the third one was that I recently ordered a new bedroom set for my daughter. Now, this is a little bit more of a complex transaction because this showed up in 11 boxes. <laughs> and these are big boxes. Like They were all put together onto a, onto a pallet. So this was a big shipment. Well, what was fascinating about this one was that the retailer that I went to announced to me that they had been delivered. And I'm like, well, that's funny because I think I would notice 11 boxes showing up at my doorstep. And funny, there are no boxes at my doorstep. Well, it turns out that what they meant by delivered was that they had that it had been received by the shipping company that was going to actually deliver it to my house. So from the retailer's perspective, the transaction's finished. They, <laughs> and they're truly washing their hands of any right, further responsibility. They're done. And so, of course, what happens? It falls to me. I have to call the shipping company and figure out when they plan on delivering it to me because they didn't reach out to me and the retailer thinks it's already delivered. And they're not going to throw a pallet onto the stoop, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, hopefully not. Well, I first get... Uh, the first time I call, they say, well, we don't know yet. You have to call back. Okay. So I wait 48 hours and I call back. And now they say... They finally give me a date, which is like a week out. And I agree to a time. And the delivery happened and the people who delivered it were pleasant and everything was fine. But again, I went back to why is the retailer missing this critical step where they think that a delivery has been made and yet the customer is sitting there saying, where's my delivery, right? There's a, just, there's a lot of missed communication uh, opportunities, I think, in all of these. Dan, have you stopped to consider for a moment that maybe it's you? No, I'm just kidding, buddy. I don't think it's you at all. I think it's difficult to do this last mile. And the reality is you bring up a really good point. Most of the time, the seller is out of the transaction at this point in the process. But the key to remember is that the transaction isn't over for the customer until they actually receive the product. You know, I had an experience not too long ago, uh, frankly, right before I went on that Antarctica trip, I talked about it the, earlier in the season, where I had ordered some cold weather gear from a great company, great reviews, fantastic job, but they're based in Europe. And they shipped the items and they were supposed to be there in a certain amount of time. And of course, I'm leaving to go on this trip and they haven't arrived and they haven't arrived. And so I reach out and they're like, oh, we handed it off to this well-known global shipping company and you'll have to follow up with them. And I was like, well, wait a second. So I'm supposed to jump in as consumer who's hoping to receive this jacket into this morass of insane uh, volume shipping and have them pick out my order when you all who ship with them regularly and have a corporate account could probably fast track this conversation. I think the key here to remember is the transaction isn't over for that customer until they actually receive their product. Yeah, absolutely. And we also are making it too difficult on our customers. You know, as you were mentioning that, I was reminded of a, a shirt that I ordered for my son uh, from a, a clothing company based in England. And yeah, I paid a reasonable amount of shipping for it to get here. And then it was the wrong size. 
And it was only then that I noticed that they were going to make me pay to ship it back to England to Exciting. get another size. And I told my son, sorry, you're going to have to wear this one because... <laughs> you're going to have gonna... to grow a little, son. We'll right, have to fill gonna... that out later. It is going to cost me more to send back this shirt than the shirt is worth. And, you know, look, for decades, there have been services that allow you to ship stuff, you know, to some big box in Florida, and then they put it all together and they send it as a single package overseas. Why are companies not using a service like that? Why are they making it the customer's problem to try to solve these things? So I think the takeaway is that communication is one of the biggest opportunities that most companies have to improve their customer experience. It is always better to over-communicate than to under-communicate. And in these cases, a little more communication would have made the entire ordering experience so much smoother. Also, make sure that every customer gets your company's full attention and resources on every order, every time, until the very end. Surveys, reports, studies, and reviews. There are some great resources that look at consumer behavior to find emerging trends and established patterns. We dig through the data and bring you the key takeaways in this edition of Inside the Numbers. Today, we go Inside the Numbers with Chattermill, a unified customer feedback analytics platform. Their new report titled Great CXpectations, How to Deliver the CX Your Customers Really Want, looks at customer expectations today and how to deliver on those expectations. One of the things that caught my eye, besides the various quotes from Charles Dickens, was the observation that CX is often looked at as a soft skill, while finance and marketing are looked at as hard skills with direct economic impact to the company. Ugh, does that bother me? Folks, CX is a hard skill and does have direct economic impact to the company. In fact, the report states just that. And I'm quoting, as CX professionals, one of the biggest roadblocks to making our businesses more customer-centric is getting meaningful buy-in from executives, the C-suite, and investors. Other business departments like sales and marketing report on hard business metrics. And as a consequence, they tend to get prioritized above customer experience when it comes to budgets, headcount, and resources. But as customer experience professionals, we want to improve our customers' lives and transform our business. To do so, we need to show how it can deliver a return on investment and drive business growth if we are to get the resources we need." Unquote. The report then highlighted some specific metrics that CX leaders can look to, including lower cost of customer acquisition, reduced operating costs, especially in customer service, increased sales, and increased customer retention. One of the things that I found interesting about the report, Dan, is that it looked at the climate and the environment as big drivers in modern CX. Now, we've talked about this a number of times on the show, but I found it interesting the way they reiterated this in their report and provided some additional uh, data and research on it. And I quote, Today's consumer purchasing decisions are based as much on value in the philosophical sense as they are on value in the economic sense. Consumers today want products and services that align with their own sustainable environmental values. And they're willing to pay more for products that provide cultural alignment. This is especially true for younger generations. End quote. 
The report found that 58% of Americans say they would pay more for a product that's good for the environment, while the UK's numbers were a point lower and Australia came in at 53%. Germany led with 60% and Japan surprisingly lagged behind with just 27%. But not surprisingly, Gen Z and millennials tilt higher than Gen Xers and baby boomers on the importance of the environmental impact of the product or service. Your two podcast hosts who are Gen Xers notwithstanding. Woohoo, exactly. Chattermill then sought to understand why so many companies are apparently competing on customer experience, but just not doing a very good job of it. Here's Chattermill's Chief Revenue Officer, Luke Moore, to explain. According to Gartner Research, two-thirds of companies now compete on customer experience, up 36% since 2010. Forrester Research also shows us that 76% of executives say improving CX is a high or critical business priority. But as critical Bain and Company survey suggests, while 80% of companies said they delivered a superior customer experience, according to their customers, only 8% did. The reason for this is businesses are delivering experiences that meet internal expectations or deliver on what executives think constitutes a good customer experience, but don't relate that to what their customers want. Put simply, they don't understand their customers. I can definitely relate to this. Executives and frankly, VPs, directors, managers everywhere are making decisions based on what they think customers want versus listening to what customers are telling them they actually want. The report spells out two reasons why companies don't understand their customers. One, there's simply too much customer data, especially unstructured data, for businesses to glean any meaningful insights from without technology. And two, human bias in assessing customer feedback and assigning sentiment ratings. Because everyone comes at it from a different perspective. Now, the human bias element piece really intrigued me. So I asked Luke to explain it further. Manually assessing the sentiment and meaning behind customer feedback, the conversations, the support interactions, are entirely predicated on the individual's lived experience. While this isn't problematic on a singular level, when you have multiple people within your organization analyzing customer data, all with their own lived experiences, consistency is near impossible to achieve. And if you want to make changes that meet what customers want, this is a problem. Finding what your customers want can be complex, particularly if the company you work for sells millions of products. But when you're looking to build a successful CX strategy, it has to be built on what your customers say. The answer, according to Chattermill, is to employ artificial intelligence to analyze customer feedback across all channels and deliver the experiences your customers really want. To find out how, check out Chattermill's Great See Expectations report at chattermill.com. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Experience This. You're the best listener ever. And since you listened to the whole show... Yay, you! We're curious. Was there a specific part of this episode that you enjoyed the most? If so, it would mean the world to us if you could share it with a coworker, a friend, or someone that just loves listening to podcasts. 
And while you're in the sharing mood, if you felt inclined to jump over to iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts and write us a review, we would so appreciate it. And when you do, don't forget to let us know as we might have a little surprise for you. Thanks again for your time and we'll see you next week for more Experience This.